Amen. Open in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19 as we continue the Holy Spirit series that we started back, I think it was around three, four weeks ago. We are in Acts chapter 19. Acts 19 has kind of become our theme verse for this message series on the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk about spiritual gifts, but let's look here at Acts chapter 19 verses 1 and 2. It says, and it happened that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, and check this out, no, we not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And the reason why we chose to do this series is because 2,000 plus years later, there are still people today who are ignorant and in the dark when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. They understand God the Father because they have one. They understand Jesus the Son because they've seen movies like The Passion of Christ and others, and they think they know what he looks like and what he did. But not too many people know that much about the Holy Spirit. They think of him as spooky, as a mystical figure, as a force, an energy, a ghost, or an it. And he's none of those things. The Bible says that he's the third member of the Trinity, and he's just as much God as the Father and the Son. So in week one, we tackled the word spirit, and we found out that it means wind or breath. Friends, the, the Spirit of God is the breath of God. It's a breath of fresh air. How many need a breath of fresh air today? You know, a little bit of wind in your sails. It's the breath of God. It's not something to run away from, but something to run to. And in fact, you can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We've got some note sheets. How many receive one? If you didn't receive one, put your hand up and um, someone will come around. It's really important to take some notes this morning because I have some good stuff to share with you. And there's a couple QR codes on the back that we're going to get to in just a moment that are going to help you apply this message. So the word spirit is the breath of God. It's, it's wind. Two Sundays ago in week number two of the series, we tackled another word that a lot of people avoid, and that's the word Pentecost or Pentecostal. And some people think, I know what Pentecost or Pentecostal means. It means, um, it talks, you know, that's those people who wear either too much makeup or no makeup at all. <laughs> it's those preachers with the funny hair that are shouting. And that's not what the word Pentecost means at all. It's actually a word that simply means 50. 50. We learned that historically Pentecost was a holiday, a festival like Dave just talked about, that the Jewish people celebrated to commemorate the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, to Moses on Mount Sinai. And we also learned that in addition to Pentecost being something that was commemorative, it was also very prophetic. And that Jesus came and through his death and resurrection, he fulfilled the law. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the people following the ascension of Jesus, 
God poured out his spirit upon the church and the church began. Jesus fulfilled the law. The law is no longer written on tablets of stone, but the Holy Spirit being deposited in us writes his law on our hearts and enables us to do it. I thought we would get a big amen for that one. And this morning we're going to talk about another term that a lot of people are afraid of or don't know that much about, and that's the word charismatic or charisma. You hear that word associated a lot with the Holy Spirit. Again, many people say, oh, I know what charismatic is. It's those people that drink poison and handle snakes. And you're going to find out again this morning that the word charismatic or charisma has nothing to do with snake handling or drinking poison or any of that other weird and creepy stuff. And if it did, I wouldn't be talking about it this morning because I'm not about to drink any poison or handle any snakes. I don't even... There was a guy walking by my house yesterday with a iguana on his shoulder, and it creeped me out. So, you know, the word charismatic or charisma, you can write this down in your notes, in the Greek simply means the gift of God's grace. The gift of God's grace comes from that word charis, the favor of God. It's spiritual gifts. So the word charismatic is not somebody who's crazy in church. It's a God-given ability, a divine enablement. And that's what we're going to learn this morning, that God has some spiritual gifts for his church. He actually has three gifts for you. And the first one is the gift of salvation, eternal life. And how many know that's the best gift? There's a wage, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, that's attached to our sin. Listen, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's a wage that is attached to every one of your sins. And the wage or the payment for the bill that's attached to your sin is death, eternal separation from God. Well, Jesus didn't want you to be separated. He didn't want you to have to give your life. So he took his plate, your place. He died. He lived a sinless life, and he died a perfect death upon the cross. And the gift is that God, the Father, gave his son in your place. So Jesus paid your bill. And that gift is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's a free gift. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that, it, it, that it's through faith. It's a, it's a gift. It's not something that you can earn. You can't go to church to earn it. You can't do good to earn it. You can't buy this gift. It's a free gift. It said it's free and it's grace. It's unmerited favor because he doesn't want anyone to boast. And so the Apostle Paul writes that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And the second gift that I want to point out to you this morning is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see Jesus talking about the promise of this gift in Acts 1, 4, and 5. Jesus reappears after the resurrection and spends 40 days with his disciples, his followers. Remember two weeks ago I said he's kind of just like 
popping through walls and meeting with people and, and explaining to him, giving them final instructions. And, and then he ascends into heaven. And before he, his ascension, he says, wait in Jerusalem because there's a promise that's coming. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And 10 days later, as they were up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost that we're going to celebrate next Sunday, the Spirit was outpoured upon the church. And that brings us to the third gift. The Spirit in His coming deposits spiritual gifts into believers. And that's what this charismatic thing is all about, spiritual gifts. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says... Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Do you know that the people in the Bible were confused about spiritual gifts and that confusion still exists today, 2,000 plus years later? And Paul says, I want you to pay attention because I don't want you to be uninformed. And you might say, where is that confusion about spiritual gifts today? How many have heard the word cessationism? Cessationism believes that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as the gifts of speaking in tongues, prophecy and healing, the miraculous gifts, were given by God to the apostles only for the purpose of launching the church. But that's it. God doesn't give those out anymore. A cessationist sees it, the church, the body of Christ, no longer possesses the miraculous gifts today because God has stopped giving them out. And this doctrine, in my opinion, is not based on a proper interpretation of Scripture. The real motivation behind cessationism is that simply that they simply don't want to be charismatic. That's my opinion. And I totally get that. I'm charismatic. And I'm also ashamed of the misuse and the abuse of spiritual gifts that happen in some, not all, but some churches. But just because something that somebody handles them as, you know, wrongly doesn't mean that we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. The solution to unbiblical practices is not incorrect doctrine. Because listen to me, the, the great physician has not closed up shop. The gift of healing is still available today. And I don't know about you, but I've met some people who need it. These miraculous gifts have been given to the church, not just for the launch of the church, but they are still to be used today. See, really, people are not afraid of the spiritual gifts. It's just that they're afraid of the packaging that has been, you know, what they've been packaged around. And I'm even convinced that it's not really the spiritual gifts that people are concerned about, but it's one of the gifts, and that's the gift of tongues. That's the one. You know, many people are like, what's up with that one? 
What's that one all about? I mean, I would love to have the gift of faith. I would love to have the gift of, of um, healing or the gift of service. But the gift of tongues, I think I'll, I'll pass on that one. And there's 27 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. There's a lot of spiritual gifts. And listen, you never need to avoid anything that God has given you. If it's from God, it's a good gift. So the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us, listen, so that we can help each other. Spiritual gifts, their benefit is for others, not you. Spiritual gifts are not for you to wow the church or to say, hey, look at me, look what I can do, look how God's using me, I'm more elite or superior than you. Paul says they are given to the body of Christ to help each other. It's for the good of others. In the Old Testament, the gift of God was only on a few people. They were called priests. They, the priests served as mediators between God and man. When the New Testament came along and on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, something strange happened. There were no longer special priests. The power of God was poured out on everyone, even those who weren't Jewish. In fact, it shocked them that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on even non-Jewish people. They were amazed that it was literally on every person. And as soon as the early church was done, the church went back to hiring special people. They gave them the name clergy, a name that's not even in the Bible. It means reader. And they said to those that they hired as clergy, you'll be the paid professional minister and all the gifts will operate through you. And the rest of the church, they gave them a name too. They called them lay people because they could just lay back in their seats and let the paid minister do all the work. But something happened in the 1500s, around 1517, an event took place called the Protestant Reformation. And there was this man, he was a Jewish, I mean a German monk and a professor of theology, and he was reading the Bible and he discovered a biblical truth, and um, we know that as a 95 thesis, and he, he, he nailed it to the church door. And in it, talked about this whole idea of the priesthood of all believers. Luther read the Bible and said, wait a minute, ministry and the operation of spiritual gifts don't just happen through a professional minister or a member of the clergy. No, the power of God, the presence of God, and the gifts of God can be inside and operate through every single one of us. And that revelation was celebrated by the church. Then, what happened? The church went right back. The paid clergy, the professional ministers, and the lay people. A young reporter once asked a college football coach how the game of football had contributed to the health and fitness of Americans. And he replied, it hasn't contributed at all. The reporter was confused. He said, what do you mean? And the coach replied, football is where you have 22 men on the field who def desperately need rest. 
and 67,000 people in the stands that desperately need exercise. I hate to say it, but that's a description of a lot of churches today. Some people go to church the way you or I might go to a Badgers football game. We cheer from the stands, but we never put on a helmet or pick up a football. What the Bible teaches and what the priesthood of believers means is that when you gather with the rest of the church body here on Sundays, or when you're out there in the marketplace or working at your job, you are suiting up, you are putting on a uniform, and you're running out onto the field. You are in the game. Every member of the body, the Bible says, can have, does exist for them, a spiritual gift. Every single Christian can be involved in the work of ministry. Every member is a minister. And friends, Metro Believers Church will not look like its pastoral team. We're just guys on the team, just gals on the team with different roles, using our gifts, but you are the ministers. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11 that the role of pastors, prophets, evangelists, and teachers are to equip the church for the work of the ministry. You do the real ministry. So let me give you a spiritual gift definition. Are you ready? A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability. And I sense that every week when I'm up here communicating to you. This is not me. This is beyond me. This is supernatural ability. And I feel that way every time I speak in front. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together. Paul talks about this as the body. We need one another. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. We complement one another. We all, there's no such thing as a less important part of the body. We need all the gifts operating together. And when you're not operating in your gift, the body is struggling. The body is weak. So spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in this world. What I want to do with the rest of the time is I want to talk about two dominant lists of spiritual gifts in Scripture. There are four of them, but I want to talk about two of the most dominant ones. But before I do that, I want to give you five things that spiritual gifts are not. Number one, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Okay? Natural talents are different from spiritual gifts. When you are born naturally, God, you are born with natural talents. You may be naturally gifted to sing. You may be like Michael Jordan, naturally gifted to play basketball. But when you are spiritually born, you are given spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts can complement your natural gifts. God can use all of them, but there's a difference between natural talents and spiritual gifts. Number two. Spiritual gifts, as I've already shared, are not given to the elite few. 
It's not like God looks upon a portion of his church and says, I'm going to give you more powerful gifts. And then he looks at another portion of his church and says, I'm going to give you less powerful gifts. They're all powerful. They're all given by God. They're not given just to elite few. Number three, spiritual gifts are not signs of spiritual maturity. In our culture, we, we tend to elevate people that have certain gifts, and that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible says that they're not a sign of spiritual maturity. Number four, spiritual gifts are also not the fruits of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are different from the fruits of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5, and 23. The nine gifts that are list, listed there the gifts of love, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. There's no such thing as a, as a Christian saying, I don't have the gift of love. I just can't love you because that's not my gift. <laughs> or I just, I, I can't be patient because I don't have the gift of patience. All believers should exhibit all the fruits of the Spirit, but all believers do not have all the gifts of the Spirit. Those are two different things. And number five, lastly, spiritual gifts are not something to fear. They're not odd and creepy. Although sometimes people that purport to be operating in the spiritual gifts can appear to be a little bit odd and creepy. But I don't want to be insulting, but just because you see someone who does something you don't understand doesn't mean that spiritual gifts are weird. So let's look at those two dominant portions of Scripture and talk about spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 gives us a list of seven, seven different spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul writes this, first of all, if God has given you the ability to prophesy... Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. What is the gift of prophecy? It's the, it's the gift to speak out on, the, on behalf of God. We are the recipients, Lisa and I, my wife and I, are the recipients of the gift of prophecy and being used in a, in a, in a woman's life. You've heard, some of you have heard our testimony before that we couldn't have children. We were struggling and that time was going by. Our friends were having kids and, and um, we had tried different things. We both had went to different doctors and we were sitting in church on a Sunday night and a guest came into the church and we went back to, to welcome that guest, to pray with him. It was a back to school prayer meeting that, that evening and we sat down and, and we were telling the woman what, about the church and what we were going to be doing that night and she started to prophesy over Lisa. She said, it's going to happen sooner than you think. And she started praying about Hannah, desperately praying for a child. And it was that following week that Lisa found out that she was pregnant with Josh. God used that woman. She had a gift of prophecy. Prophecy is speaking boldly to others what the Holy Spirit has put in your heart to share. Let's look at the second one. Paul says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. There are many in this church who have the gift of serving. The idea of doing something for someone else just thrills them. Lisa was um, 
in need of aprons, and Susan Melton um, found out about that and says, I sew. Get the material, bring it to me, and I will make you some aprons, and they're beautiful. God has given her a gift of serving. Another one, it says, if you're a teacher, teach well. The gift of teaching. When God reveals something new to you in his word, a person with a gift of teaching is like, I want to share this with everybody. And they make it simple, and they make it clear for people to receive. It's the gift of teaching. The next gift, it says, if your gift is giving, give generously. Or how about this one, the gift of encouragement? If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. I love that word, encourage. Do you know that it means to give courage to? When you compliment someone, when you bless someone, when you tell them you're doing a great job and you notice them and you affirm that gift in them, when you encourage them, you're giving that person courage or confidence. You ever notice that how when you encourage that person, you know, they'll get a smile on their face. They, you'll see them the next moment when they're doing that thing. They're just like, I- I'll do it. We saw this um, at the youth night when, when the youth were helping the Turners move. I remember Jenny Delaney's um, son was vacuuming. He was doing such a great job. And, and there were some gals that were encouraging him. And he just, he wanted to do, he wanted to do an even better job. And he was like, what else, what's next? What, uh, what else can I do? You give people courage and confidence when you use that gift of encouragement. And God has given some of you the gift of encouraging. The Bible goes on to say, if God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Many of you have a gift to lead, and you're not leading anything, and your gift is hidden and continues to go unused. It's kind of like growing up when I, you know, I watched that movie, what was it, the Christmas story about the Red Rider BB gun, right? I wanted one of those, and I remember my mom and dad walking out of Kmart in Rockford, and I was sitting in the car, and they tried to hide it, and, and I caught a glance that I'm going to get a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. I cannot believe I'm going to be like, just like Ralphie, you know? And then I opened all my gifts, and I thought, well, they must be holding this one back. Never got it. My mom said, just like the movie said, we took it back because I was afraid you were going to shoot your eye out. <laughs> But you know what I did? As soon as they came out with a repeat one, you know, you, isn't it amazing how you see these, all these things that you enjoyed as a kid coming back out for you to buy for your kids today? So I wanted to do that. I picked up a Red Rider BB gun, and I gave it to Caden. And um, I gave it to him when we were living in Minnesota. And we, we said, okay, you're going to shoot this at Grandpa's house. And we, we went to Grandpa's, and we visited, and we shot the gun that week. You know, we haven't used that gun since because it's still at Grandpa's house. That gift is sitting somewhere in Grandpa's house being unused. And that's just like a lot of the spiritual gifts. They're, they're, they're hidden. They're sitting somewhere on a shelf unused. God wants you to use your spiritual gifts. Let me wrap this up in, in a funny kind of way of knowing which of these gifts that you have. Imagine seven people sitting around a, the table at the hilltop. It's a Saturday evening. It's prime rib night. It's busy. You know, um, everybody's handling, you know, a variety of different plates, pun intended. Um, they're spinning plates, they're coming out, and then here comes, we'll just pick on Caden. 
Caden comes out because he's a buster there, and hopefully this never happens, Caden, but Caden comes out and he just welcomes all the seven gifts sitting at the, the guests sitting at the table, takes their drink orders, goes back, um, prepares the drinks, and is bringing them to the table. He gets close to the table and he spills them all. He spills the tray. And the seven people sitting there respond in different ways. The person with the gift of prophecy would say, Caden, that's what happens when you're not careful. His motivation is to convict and to show what was done wrong. The person with the gift of serving might say, hey, bring me a towel. I'll help you clean this up, Caden. Don't worry about it. The person with the gift of teaching might say, you know, the reason that you spilled those drinks is because they weren't, the weight of those drinks weren't evenly distributed upon the tray. They want to clarify truth. And the person with the gift of encouragement would say, honey, you're okay. Everybody has bad days just like this one. You'll do better next time. Don't give up. The person with the gift of giving would say, you know what, guys? I'm going to go up to the bar. I'm going to order drinks for everyone. It's on me. Don't worry about it. I'll be right back with drinks for everyone. They use their assets to meet a practical need. The person with the gift of mercy would be, would be kind and would be like, man, I emphasize with you. I just, come here and just let me give you a hug. <laughs> and then lastly, the, the person with the gift of leading would, would respond by saying, hey, Julie, grab some towels and help me wipe up the table. And Riley, go grab the mop. We're going to mop, mop this mess up. That's the gift of leading. So these are the seven spiritual gifts that God has given us in, to be used in the church in Romans 12. Let's quickly look at another list of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. To the one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. How many of you know somebody that there's somebody that just has tons of wisdom and knowledge and you just see people like go to them all the time for wisdom and advice? Do you know somebody like that? That person has the gift of knowledge or wisdom. It's a gift given by God. And they should be leading small groups. They should be mentoring people. They should be um, using that gift at work to help solve problems. This is a gift that God has given them. Paul continues in verse 9, the same spirit gives great faith to another, not to everyone, but to some. And he says, and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. The gift of healing. I know people who have the gift of healing. They have the faith to believe that their prayers will be answered and the person they're praying for will be healed. It's the gift of healing. Some have the gift of faith. When they're faced with an obstacle, they figure it out. They pray. They believe God will remove it. They speak to that mountain, like we sing about in songs. Um, the mountain that's in their way, they, they cast it in the sea, and God responds to their faith with miracles. Verse 10 says that the Holy Spirit, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. 
You know, the person with the gift of discernment says, you know, like red flags go up and they're like, there's just something that's not right here. God has given that person this gift of discernment. And he says, still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown tongues or languages. This is um, the speaking in tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said, the interpretation of tongues. And you ask, are these gifts for today? And the answer is yes. Yes. So let me conclude this morning by helping you identify what your spiritual gifts are. How can you discover your gifts? Let me give you five thoughts. Study what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. Again, there's four lists of them. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Read those chapters and study them. Number two, pray and ask God to show you your gifts. Get alone, get quiet, pray and say, God, Heavenly Father, show me the gifts that you've given me for me to use to help others to accomplish your pur purposes. And guess what? He'll answer that prayer. Number three is really important too. Ask other spiritually mature believers that know you well. Ask them what gifts they see at operation, in operation within you. On the back of your note sheet, it says spiritual gift definitions. If you take your smartphone and open up the Google app and hit that little camera icon, you can scan that QR code or with another QR reader. It will take you to a, a um, chart of all the different spiritual gifts and their definitions and even some of their potential pitfalls. And um, you can read through them. Take these. Ask someone else, what, which one of these spiritual gifts do you see in me? Number four, serve. <laughs> the best way to find out what your gifts are is just to get involved. You know, one of the most frustrating things is, um, in the church as a pastor is when people say, well, this is my gift or that's my gift. But how many know that there's things that you just have to do? doesn't matter if you're gifted at it or not. When we had kids and Lisa would bring them to me, you know, and, you know, the, I don't want to use the word, you know, poops up the back <laughs> and says, here you go. You know, I can't, I, I can never respond to her and say, that's not my gift. <laughs> or on, or on Sunday night when the, the garbage has to be taken to the curb, you know, I don't have the spiritual gift of taking out the trash. Serve, seek serving opportunities. Another thing is, what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> Chuck says, my cats. What keeps you, you know, what's on your mind all the time? What do you think about a lot? What do you want to do? What energizes you? When you're having a conversation with someone and, and you just see them brighten up and they just can't stop talking about it, that's something that they're passionate about. That's an indicator of a potential spiritual gift. Another thing, and this is just extra, what about the experiences that you have? Think about the experiences that you have 
your, think about those natural abilities and how they can be teamed up with spiritual gifts. Think about this holistically. Where are you in your season of life? Gifts can change by seasons. You know, it's funny as parents that when your kids are in like young, you're like drawn to, to working and volunteering and serving in children's ministry. Your kids transition to the youth age. You're drawn and you're utilizing your gifts um, with youth. You know, gifts can change with season or maybe you don't have the opportunity to do certain things because of the season that you're in. All these things contribute to that full picture of what your spiritual gifts are. Number five, take a spiritual gift test. It's not foolproof, but it's helpful. And there's one listed on the back of your note sheet. You could scan that code, answer some of the questions there, and see what comes out, and then take the results and get together with someone say, what do you think about this? And when you take it, don't think about what you want to be or what you should be. Answer those questions truthfully from where you are and how you feel now. I always say, Lisa, this is what I would write. This is how I would answer this question. What do you think? She'd say, nope, that's a D, not A. <laughs> you know, you want truthful results. Is this helpful? Most importantly, do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do and have faith to do it. A stand together. Have the worship team come back. I also want to say, if there's something that you do and it's part of your professional career, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's your spiritual gift. Lisa has a degree in um, early elementary education. She taught prior to um, our kids being born. The churches that we've been a part of naturally assumed Lisa's got the gift of working with kids, teaching kids. And it's not that she doesn't. It's just that that's what she does or did five days a week. And she had other gifts. She's a shepherd. She is a shepherd. God uses her that way um, in the workplace, the marketplace, in the church. So just because you do something professionally doesn't mean that that's your, necessarily your spiritual gift. Or maybe you have a passion or a gift working with kids, but maybe it's a certain group of kids. It really helps to have somebody to help you narrow it down. Maybe say, I have a passion for kids, but it's this age group, or it's this specific type of group, this group over here. Really pray and think about it holistically. Father, I just pray that you would take everything that was spoken this morning, and Lord, that it would be useful, that it would be a tool, a resource, for individuals, Lord, to really discover how you've wired them. When they think about their heart, their passion, when they think about their abilities, even their personality, Lord. And Lord, their spiritual gifts, Jesus, all together, it's who you made them to be. They have something to contribute to the body of Christ. 
Lord, your word says that each one has a spiritual gift. Now help us, Lord, to discover that. Help us to discover and to use that and help us to encourage others to give people courage to use their gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you this morning that God is doing awesome things um, through Metro Believers Church right now. I know that all of you don't get to see it the same way that maybe I do on a weekly basis, but it's exciting. We had, what, 20 to 30 men last yesterday morning, Steve, um, out at the hilltop. We enjoyed some good connection and fellowship breakfast together. Um, Tuesday nights have become one of my wife's and my daughter's favorite night just to connect with Allie and Janelle's small group online discussing the sermon. That's a small group that I, if, you, if you're not connected somewhere, jump in there. Um, there it's just, sometimes I have the opportunity to overhear the conversations and it's just good stuff. People just working out, unpacking everything that's taught on Sundays. Monday nights, Mary is hosting a women's group um, with Lisa going through, what is it, the book called Love, Love Lives Here. And I heard great things about that. The, the men's ministry that takes place on Wednesday on Zoom, I believe, Ken, you're a part of that. Matt Cluton and John Petrie lead that group. And going through the story, unpacking the scriptures. Are you in the Old Testament still right now? Yeah. And then on Thursday mornings, we're going through the book called The Grave Robber with Mark, Mark Batterson. And man, it's just really increasing my faith. Really increasing my faith. And so I, I know that Dave, Dave and Kristen connect with um, some individuals in the Verona area and making some connections with individuals online, the Meltons. I know that Jim and Susan have been a part of that and been grateful for that, especially during COVID. And so a lot of great things happen tonight. What am I saying? I'm saying plug in. It's through these opportunities that you can flesh these things out. It's where you can be encouraged. It's where you can operate in your gifts. If you have a desire to lead a gift, please come and see me. Share with me your desire. Let us empower you and stand behind you. Just like Ali said, I want, I want to um, take the message on Sundays and, and apply it. Can I do that? I'm like, sure. We want to pray for you. We want to believe for you because we know that when you step out in faith that you open yourself up and make yourself vulnerable. So we want to prepare protection around that. And then Janelle stepped in beside. And so that's how it works. Um, I'm going to call on Dave real quick. He doesn't know. Uh, this isn't planned. I want to have him come because Dave, you shared something with me. I think it was last week or two weeks ago about a dream that you had. All right. I'm doing this this morning to, to encourage you guys. Listen to this. Okay, it's pretty pretty simple. Um, I just I just had this dream where it was it was brief, where I was I encountered this young man. He was a stranger to me, but we just got into this conversation, and I just started talking with him and just clearly spelling out the gospel to him. 
Um, it wasn't forced. It wasn't coercive. It wasn't me trying to slip a message in, you know, that type of thing. It was just me. It was just coming out of the compassion of my heart, the compassion of Christ through me, was just speaking clearly with him. And it wasn't threatening. It wasn't uh, odd. It was just natural. It was just so natural. And it wasn't so much for me. It was like, this is... We often separate what is spiritual from, you know, what is worldly. We separate our spirit from our responsibilities during the week, that type of thing. God doesn't see it that way, and it's not designed that way. It's supposed to come out from within of us, in, in us, and more, and more naturally. So that's what I'm believing for all of us, and I'm trusting as you're speaking about this and the Holy Spirit empowerment that's occurring, that's we're anticipating, we're praying for, we're striving for, is not that we would be awkward or weird. <laughs> it just doesn't, it's counterproductive. But that we'd be natural, supernatural. That makes sense, okay? Supernatural. Not weird natural, supernatural. It's that extra empowerment from God to bring forth his kingdom. So. Love that. Isn't that good? This isn't, this isn't like another box. This is God being a part of all the boxes. Supernaturally equipping you to be the person he's called you to be wherever you're at, whether it's in the church or in the marketplace. And it's natural. It's not something mystical. It's not something that you necessarily feel. It's God-given divine enablement. Father, I pray that you would do that. I pray that we would hear testimonies of that. Lord, I pray favor upon those who own businesses in our congregation. And I pray that you would bless them with sales, that you would bless them with divine encounters, Lord, that you would give them divine appointments, that you would increase their capacity and, and um, widen their borders. And Lord, let them not give the credit to some coach or book, but Lord, let them be quick to turn their eyes to heaven and say, it's the Spirit of God that's living inside of me. Father, I pray for those who are problem solvers in the marketplace, managers, leaders, parts of teams, Lord, that when different challenges arise, different things come up and, and where solutions are needed, I pray that you would give them Holy Spirit wisdom and knowledge. And when their friends say, Where'd that come from? I didn't know you had that. They could say, I didn't know that either. It's from God. It's from God. Do this in our neighborhoods, Lord. I pray, Father, for that gift of serving and hospitality and mercy and compassion. Lord, that those in our in our church that have children lord that their home would be the place where the kids in the neighborhood want to be because of what they see the peace that they feel that's in that home do that on sunday mornings lord when we gather together we pray father for a demonstration of your spirit and your power
Lord, in, in one-to-one conversations. I pray that you would use the individual with the gift of prophecy the, to give that word of wisdom, to speak naturally, and to show, to speak insight that's only from God. Lord, we thank you for this, and we believe it. We believe it because we're the priesthood of all believers. We're priests. We don't, there's not a special mediator between God and man. You've removed that. You're our great high priest. You've given us your Holy Spirit. Now equip us and use us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in faith and be encouraged this week. Step out and believe God for great things. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday for Pentecost.